Well, I'm so glad that you have joined us this Easter. I'm, I'm Petey Crowder. I'm the senior pastor here, and I'm grateful to celebrate what we believe is not just the most important day of the year, but the most important day of history, Resurrection Day. We get to celebrate that together this morning. I'm incredibly excited to do that with you. If you would, grab a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 24. We're gonna pick up on the story that Corey read for us just a little while ago. There are a few Bibles in front of you. There are, uh, there'll be the words on the screen, but would love for you to follow along. Uh, and so if you take what Corey read earlier, so the death and resurrection of Jesus, but if you go three days from the death of Jesus, you find uh, in the story, two of his disciples are walking along a road out of town to a place called Emmaus, and they're on a journey out of town, and a stranger, a mysterious guest, comes walking up alongside of them and starts to ask them questions like, what's going on? And they're like, what's, what's going on? Haven't you been, are, are you new? Like, what's, what do you mean what's going on? Don't you know what's happened over the last few days? And, and so they start to explain to this guy, this stranger, what's happened to Jesus. And, uh, and what you have to know is that these two disciples of Jesus, they're likely escaping town because if you're a follower of a man who just got executed by the Roman Empire, you're probably not hanging around. And so they're leaving town. Life has not gone as planned. This mysterious guest comes up. They start to tell him the story of what's happened. We pick up in verse 20. It says, the chief priests and our rulers, so the Jewish priests and rulers, handed him, Jesus, over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So pause right there. So these two men are walking alongside a mysterious stranger who, by the way, is Jesus, if you've read this story, you, you've been, no, they eventually learn they're talking with Jesus. They can't, they can't recognize him for whatever reason. They're kept from recognizing him. But just they're explaining who Jesus is to Jesus. Just let that sink in for a second. But then Jesus responds to them in verse 25. Again, they don't know who he is. But he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah, so the Messiah, the Jewish Christ, the expected Savior of Israel, have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, so using the Old Testament scriptures, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So we'll stop right there. This past week, I was looking for some Easter uh, fashion inspiration, just like many of you I see. And... Um, I came across something that just seemed divine and ordained. <laughs> I don't know. Could I pull it off? Thankfully, I don't have to right now. I don't have to pull that off. But, uh, you know, this is, this is the Pope. Some of you are like, man, the times have really changed. I didn't realize Popes wore things like that. Those of you who have seen this on the internet might know this made its way around social media last week. Uh, that is a fake image. So the Pope did not really wear a shiny white puffer jacket. 
It does look amazing. I will give him props for that. He probably does have white Jordans on with it. Um, but he, he did not wear that. That's a computer-generated image. And if the internet has taught us anything, it's how easily we are fooled. How easily we are fooled. And, and this is what Jesus says to these two disciples. How easily you are fooled. That things did not go as planned and their hopes were quickly dashed. And I think how easily are we fooled? Not just by fake images of the Pope in puffer jackets. How easily are we fooled? How easily does life not go as planned and we find ourselves fooled? We find ourselves with our hopes quickly dashed. We thought that we had life all under control. We had it all planned out. Maybe we even had it like in our phones, in our calendars. It was all planned out. Or, or we thought we had life all figured out. We had the perfect spouse, the perfect relationship, the perfect house, the perfect job, the perfect family, the perfect kids. Or maybe we thought we had all the right power or the right information or the right knowledge. We studied at the right place or we got the right promotion or, or we Googled the information. But then... Life gets a little out of hand. Things don't go according to plan and our hopes are quickly dashed. How easily we are fooled. How easily we trust and boast in things that just let us down. So it's a good thing. It's good news that Jesus doesn't just stop with how foolish you are and how slow to understand. But Jesus instead shows them something better that when we go astray, God provides a way. When we go astray, God provides a way. Just like he, he comes after these two disciples who are walking away to Emmaus, he comes after them and he walks alongside of them in their grief and he shows them how God has been planning this all along, that God is in the redemption business and that God has them taken care of. Jesus comes alongside of us when we've, when we've trusted in things that let us down. In foolish things, Jesus comes right alongside of us. He walks with us to show us that God is in the redemption business, that he has us in his hands, that God has our lives taken care of. In fact, even on that day when Jesus died on the cross, it looked like Jesus had gone astray, that the plans were all off track, that things weren't gonna work. And then God steps in and God provides a way. We come here on Easter in fact, we come here every Sunday to say, that's what we want to build our life on. That in his death and resurrection, God provides a way for us. We want to build our lives on it. In fact, we want to build our church on that one thing. In fact, one of the earliest Christians, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he says this in the book of Galatians in uh, chapter 6, verse 14. He says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. So he's, he's writing these words to a group of Christians in a place called Galatia, and, and they were primarily from a Jewish background. So when, when he talks about circumcision, uncircumcision, he's just talking about those who had lived by the Jewish code and those who had not lived by the Jewish code in the Old Testament. And he's primarily talking to people like him, 
who came to know Jesus but had come up in a Jewish tradition and they had formally boasted in their ability to keep the Old Testament rules and regulations that we just call the law. They had boasted in their ability to do it. And he says, I used to boast in that, but it didn't work out how I'd hoped. One of the things that uh, I enjoy doing is running early in the morning and I, uh, I might boast in my ability, not as a runner, but to run in the dark without any help. And so much to the chagrin of some of my friends and family, I don't like wearing headlamps when I run in the dark. I don't like wearing safety vests because I just believe my eyes will adjust. I'm capable of seeing in the dark. I don't need cars to see me. I can see the cars. I boast in my ability to run without any lights or help. And then last Monday, I, I left from CPC at 5 a.m. and I ran a route. I came down the parking lot. I went under the bridge right over here to a thing called the Nine Mile Creek Trail. And I went north towards the high school. Well, as you get on that trail, it comes off the ground. There's an elevated path. It has, you know, it's five, six, seven feet off the ground. And it's got these high walls on the side for safety. And so I'm running along in the dark, 5 a.m. I can't see anything. I can barely see the next step in front of me. And then all of a sudden in the distance, 30 yards out, there's a large animal on the path. A very, very large animal. I'm thinking it's like a small horse <laughs> or a very large dog or maybe a mountain lion. And I'm horrified. And I can see its head like tracking me a little bit. And I don't know what to do. I'm like, if I, if I turn around and run, it might chase me. I don't know if I can go past it. So I'm just, you know, for a good five minutes, I'm just standing there staring at it. And I think I, I got to do something. I thought about jumping over the side. I didn't do that. Uh, I just start kind of inching towards it to see if it'll move, to see if it'll react. And as I get closer, I realize that this massive, ferocious animal is, uh, is a child's riding toy that's been abandoned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need any lights, I'm fine. <laughs> I mean, truthfully, like I could boast in my ability to run without lights all day long. I need light, right? I don't need to boast in something else. I need light. And many of our lives are boasting in things that don't always work out the way we'd hope. This is what happened with the Galatians. They were boasting in their ability to follow the law. They were boasting in their ability to keep all of the rules but what happened was following the law could do some good stuff in their lives, but it couldn't do the thing that they ultimately needed. It could show that they weren't very good at keeping the law. It could show that they were going astray, but it couldn't heal them. It couldn't offer them the hope they ultimately needed. They, they boasted in their ability to keep the law, but what they needed was God's grace. What does your life boast in? What does your life boast in? I'm, I'm good at this. I appear this way. I've achieved this. I own this. I've earned that. I fit in with these kinds of people. What does your life boast in? And could it be working for now? But what happens when it doesn't? When I think about myself as a leader, 
I like to think about myself as being calm and gracious and level-headed. And, and then, you know, let's just say hypothetically in the middle of Holy Week, as we're preparing for the biggest weekend of the year, I get a whole bunch of like negative critical emails. Let's hypothetically. <laughs> when things don't go how we had hoped, is our boasting worth very much? You see, I didn't need to boast more about being a level-headed leader in those moments. I need Jesus. I need to be made new. I need something that I cannot do for myself. Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard once said that the proud person always wants to do the right thing, the great thing, but because he wants to do it in his own strength, he is fighting not with man, but with God. See, a lot of the things that we boast in are perfectly fine things. They're, they're good things even, but they can't make us whole. They can't bring lasting peace and joy. We don't, we don't need to just get better at doing the things that we boast in. We need Jesus who is better than anything else that we might boast in. So when we boast in the sacrifice of the cross, it forms everything else in your life around that sacrificial love. And it's sustained not by your own power, but by the resurrection power of Jesus who lives in you. So in the text of Galatians, we, we read that the cross is the only thing worth boasting in because the cross is the only thing that can lead to newness. It's the only thing that can lead to new creation. It's the only thing that when we go astray, we learn that God provides a way. When we go astray, God comes after us. He comes after us and walks us into his grace and love. When, when sin has doomed us, when our disobedience, when our selfishness, when our brokenness has led us astray and doomed us, Jesus enters into our lives and he dooms sin itself. On that Friday, death did its worst and it came up empty. Death did its worst and it didn't work. And, and, and the, the hushed silence of the empty tomb is the sound of death breathing its last. It has no hold on you. Boast in the cross. It's the only thing that can set you free. Let's boast in the cross of Christ. Amen? I want to close our sermon with a story. So one of our friends recorded his story, and, and you'll see that he, he spent his life boasting in all the wrong things until he discovered that Jesus changes everything. Listen to Tony's story.